So I'm not really sure um, why, but it seems uh, pretty clear to me that we spend a lot of time and energy overcomplicating the good news, the gospel that we have to share. It's kind of crazy, really, if you think about it. The number of workshops, retreats, conferences, and seminars that I have attended, the number of podcasts that I am subscribed to, the number of books and articles that I have read, all just about how to be a faithful follower of Jesus is kind of crazy, really, especially when you read passages like the one that we have today. I hear myself constantly repeating the same request that the disciples do, Lord, increase my faith. To the point that sometimes I find that I actually neglect to live through the faith that I already have. And so the more time I've spent reading these short five verses from Luke's gospel, the more convicting it has been for me. Right, so the disciples have been following Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry. They've seen him do incredible things. They themselves have been a part of some legitimate miracles in the world. They've been there for every single significant moment of healing and feeding and community being drawn together. The disciples should have been the ones who understood everything. They should be the ones who get it, but they don't. They overcomplicate it. They think they need more. They need to be different than what they are in order to be successful. And I think that's what's so frustrating. It seems, if you read the gospel, it seems like they really do have it under control. It seems like they really get it. It really looks like they understood what Jesus was asking of them. Scripture really paints them as a group of people who devoted themselves wholeheartedly to Jesus, but they still cry out, feeling like they need more than what they already have. And I think that's exactly where we ourselves get stuck too. If we were just better, things would be easier. If we were more faithful, we might not struggle with doubt. If we were more wealthy, we might be able to be generous. If we had more time, we might be able to serve and to volunteer more frequently. If we were in a more stable place of life, we might be able to commit to a community. It sure feels like we need more than what we already have. And the way Jesus teaches is overwhelming in and of its own self. So the disciples say exactly what we would say. Lord, increase our faith. We need more. If we're going to do what Jesus calls us to do, we need more. We need more faith. We need more resources. We need more time. We need more energy. We need more people. We need more. And that becomes the perfect reason to not do anything at all. I would, but I feel like I don't have enough, so I don't. Is any of this making any sense? Okay. 
because Jesus really is overwhelming if we try to take it all in. And the gospel actually invites us to feel how overwhelming Jesus is by sharing some of his most radical and difficult teachings all in one moment. We've been talking about those teachings for the last few weeks, which makes it seem like they may be distant from one another, but these lessons are all in one speech to one crowd. Jesus is standing in front of a crowd of people explaining what it means to follow him, and he starts by saying, first, it means learning to hate your family and your friends. Essentially, he tells us to be undistracted by relationships that aren't fruitful. And then he tells three stories about lost things. Wouldn't a shepherd search for a lost sheep? Wouldn't a woman search for a lost coin? Wouldn't a father welcome a prodigal son back home? And these stories teach us about God's desire to be near to us, to be close to us, and to be connected to us. God wants to be in relationship with us exactly as we are. And then he tells a few stories about rich men who misuse their wealth for their own personal gain. And he warns us all that our things and our pride And our desire for more will keep us from being a part of this story of redemption and reconciliation in the world. And then even beyond that, he explains how dangerous it is to be a stumbling block to other people. Then he reminds the crowd how important it is to repent and how important it is to forgive. And then he says, even if they sin against you, time and time and time and time and time again to forgive them, endlessly. And that's when the disciples cry out, we need more faith. And if we're honest, I think that's about the time we cry out, I need more faith to do these things. Don't be too attached to people and the reputations that come from being associated with them. Don't let well enough be well enough. Search diligently for those who are not here and show them how much they matter to God. Be shrewd and even dishonest if you have to, if it helps to tear down the systems that are built on oppression of people, not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the renewed community. Don't let yourself accumulate things if it means that you become blind to the suffering of those around you. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't hold grudges. That's a lot of things to do or not do as the case may be. And the list of things given to us in just this one teaching moment is incredibly overwhelming and hard to hear, and it can really feel like too much to take on. I, too, feel like I need more faith to do any one of these, but Jesus responds to that with one more teaching. He says, don't wait. There's no need for more. We don't need more faith to take our first steps on a path towards a beloved community. We don't need more money to be generous with what we have now. We don't need more to live as servants to the world around us. We don't need more energy to share God's love with the world. The desire for more is our own barrier to abundance. It's a narrative of scarcity. 
and it is not of God. We don't need more faith than we have now to start living a life of faithfulness. Jesus uses a great analogy. Jesus says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could ask a mulberry tree to uproot itself and be planted in the ocean, and it would. The mustard seed is such an important image there. The mustard seed is one of the smallest beginnings in the plant world. It's a tiny seed that eventually and quickly blossoms into, uh, Scripture calls it a tree, it's more of a bush, but it provides immense shade and a space for animals to thrive. It becomes its own ecosystem. A seed is a symbol of potential that is to come. It's the promise of what might be. The seed is the promise of a tree that will sprout from it. And in each of us, there is the promise of faithful abundance. It's a seed that's been planted and not yet germinated, but it's a seed. And Jesus says, if we can live by trust in that potential that we share, we could do things that are literally impossible by this world's standards. His analogy is that we could plant a mulberry tree in the ocean without ever touching it. With faith's potential, the world could be reshaped That's the good news that we step into with this story of Jesus. We don't need more. The world was created with enough to sustain itself. We have enough faith to plant new life in barren places. We have enough time to take a moment to pray or meditate or listen or serve. We have enough money to be generous with what we do have. We have enough talent that could be used to the benefit of someone else. We have enough already. Abundance is the promise of God. And it's up to us to use what we have, to let that seed germinate and grow within us so that its potential might be seen in our lives. That's the walk of Christian discipleship. Thanks be to God. Amen. Eternal God, we thank you for all that you have done and continue to do for us in our lives. We thank you for this community in which we gather. We thank you for this space that provides a shelter from the chaos that exists beyond it. We pray that this time together where we sing songs and hear scripture and uh, hear the, the words that come through it, we just pray that you would speak to us through all of these things so that we might know your eternal love, which goes beyond all of us, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, so I'm not really sure, but I feel like we get into a habit of overcomplicating things. Um, I know I spend a lot of time and a lot of my energy overcomplicating the good news that we have to share as Christians in faith, right? It's kind of 
crazy, really, if you think about it. The number of workshops, retreats, conferences, and seminars that I've attended, the number of podcasts that I subscribe to, the number of books and articles that I've read about how to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, it's kind of crazy, sort of overdoing it, probably, especially when you read passages like the one that Rachel read for us just a few moments ago. I hear myself time and time again repeating the same words that the disciples did. Lord, increase my faith. I need more and more and more of it to the point where often it can be the case that I actually neglect to live through the faith that I already have and instead look for what I might have in the future. So the more I read these simple five verses from Luke's gospel, the more convicting they are for me, right? So the disciples, as a good example, they've been following Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry. They've seen him do incredible things. They themselves have even been a part of some legitimate miracles for the community. They've been there for every single sacred moment, everything that amazing has happened, they were there for. The disciples should be the ones who actually understand what's going on. They should be the ones who get it, but they don't. They overcomplicate it. They think they need to be different than they are in order to be successful in faith. But scripture, it sure seems like they got it. It looks like they understood what Jesus was asking of them. Scripture paints them as a group of people who devoted themselves wholeheartedly to Jesus, but they still cry out, claiming that they need more and more and more. And that's exactly where we get ourselves stuck too. If we were just better, everything would be easier. If I were more faithful, I might not struggle with doubt. If I were more wealthy, I might be able to be generous. If I had more time, I might be able to serve and volunteer. If I were in a more stable place in my life, I might be able to commit to community. It feels like we need more and more and more, always more. Because the way Jesus teaches is really overwhelming. And the disciples say exactly what we would say. Increase our faith, Lord. We need more. If we're going to do what Jesus calls us to do, we need more of all of it. We need more faith. We need more resources. We need more time. We need more energy. We need more people. We need more. And that becomes, for so many of us, the perfect reason to not do anything at all. I would, but I feel like I don't have enough. So I don't. Is this making any sense? Jesus is really overwhelming if we try to take it all in. And the gospel really invites us to experience just how overwhelming Jesus is by sharing some of his most radical and difficult teachings all in one moment. We've been talking about these teachings for the last several weeks, but 
All of them happen in one teaching to one crowd in one simple afternoon. Jesus is standing in front of a crowd of people explaining what it means to follow him. And he says, first, it means to learn to hate your family. Hate your family and your friends. Essentially, he tells us to be undistracted by the relationships that aren't fruitful. Then immediately after that, he tells stories about lost things. He says, wouldn't a shepherd search for a lost sheep? Wouldn't a woman search for a lost coin? Wouldn't a father welcome a prodigal and wasteful son home? These stories teach us about God's desire to be near to us, to be connected to us, to be in relationship with us. God wants to be in a loving and mutual relationship with us exactly as we are. And then Jesus goes on. He tells a few stories. Stories about rich men who are always the bad guy in the story. Rich men who misuse their wealth for their own personal gain. And he warns us all that our things and our pride and our desire for more will keep us from being a part of this new story of redemption and reconciliation. And then he goes even further and he explains how dangerous it would be to be a stumbling block to someone else who is trying to take steps in their faith and he reminds his same crowd that they need to repent. And even more than needing to repent, they need to forgive. And even more than needing to forgive, they need to forgive repeatedly the same offense if it keeps happening. And that is when the disciples cry out, Lord, increase my faith. And I think that's about the same time we would cry out, Lord, I can't do that with what I have. I need more. Don't be attached to people and reputations that come from being associated with them. Don't let well enough be well enough. Search diligently for those who aren't here to show how much they matter to God. Be shrewd and maybe even be dishonest if if it helps you to tear down systems that have been oppressive in people's lives, not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of a renewed community. Don't let yourself accumulate things. If it means you become blind to the suffering of those around you, don't be a stumbling block. Don't hold grudges. This list is intense, and it is hard, and it is long. And this is what we come to. The list of things given to us in one teaching moment is so powerful and overwhelming that it feels like too much to take on. And it feels like, I, I get it, the disciples are right. I need more faith to follow all of these teachings. Which is why Jesus' last teaching in this moment is so important. He has one final teaching in this moment before he starts walking again towards Jerusalem. He says, don't wait. There's no need for more faith. We don't need more faith to take our first steps on a path towards a beloved community. We don't need more money to learn how to share generously. We don't need more time to live as servants. We don't need more energy to share God's love with the world. The desire for more is the barrier to an abundant life. It's a narrative of scarcity, and it is not of God. 
You don't need more faith than you have now to start living a life of faithfulness. Jesus uses a really beautiful analogy here to really drive the point home. He says, if you had faith the size of mustard seed, you could ask the mulberry tree to uproot itself and be planted in the ocean, and it would happen. The mustard seed is such a beautiful image for this. It's one of the smallest the smallest beginnings, the smallest potential in all of the plant world. It's a tiny seed that when it germinates and grows, it blossoms and blooms into a large enough bush that some call it a tree that provides space for a whole ecosystem to thrive. The seed is just the symbol of potential that is to come. It lies. It's the promise of a tree that has not yet been grown. And each of us, if we had faith, the size of a mustard seed, the potential of what might be, if each of us lived that way, we might find the promise of faithful abundance already present within us. And Jesus says if we can live by trust in the potential that we share, we could do things that are literally impossible. The analogy he uses was that we could plant a mulberry tree in the ocean where it would thrive. With faith's potential, the world can be reshaped. That's the good news. We don't need more. We already have enough. We have enough faith to plant new life in barren places. We have enough time to take just a moment to pray or to listen or meditate or just talk to a friend or serve in the community. We have enough money to be generous with what we already have. We have enough talent that it could be used to benefit the lives of people around us. We have enough already. Abundance is the promise of God that might come in the future. It's up to us to use what we have well. If a seed is beginning to germinate within us, our prayer is that it would blossom to be immense, creating its own ecosystem of safety and wholeness and goodness. That's the promise of abundance. What might happen? Not what has happened, what might happen before us. It's up to us. Thanks be to God. Amen.